Welcome back, Dinos fans, to the newest episode of the Dinos Den podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Park, joined, as always, by the Babimbop to my kimchi. It's Kevin Kim. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, I'm feeling very versatile, uh, very appropriate for many occasions. And our, and our very own Bulgogi. That's right. It's yes. Eric Lee. Eric, how you doing? Eric Lee, I'll take it and I'll take Bulgogi. This is... Oh, quarantines treat me right. This is a very yeah. complimentary introduction for you, Eric. This is uh, this is uh, what happens when I'm locked inside, and the only sports that's on is Korean baseball organization. I become the biggest NC Dinos fan in the universe. If you're on the Discord, you probably saw the links I dropped tonight into the Discord about. Um, well, first of all, the, their mascot is a buff dinosaur. That his name is Hit It, but really he's Swole, and all, everyone on Twitter is calling him Swole Daddy. Uh, then there's just like crazy bat flips in this league and like home runs. It's so stupid. I love it so much. Um, I, I I mean honestly, I just have nothing else. So you guys just have to let me have this for a minute. Um, I am an NC Dinos super fan number one. NC Dinos are America's team now, basically. So you got to get on board. I'm ready. Get on the Dino train. You yeah. know you can be a fan of this baseball league all you want. But I'm still a Mariners fan because they're not playing and still somehow eight and twenty. Go Mariners. <laughs> you know no, what? Mariners last... and NC Dinos equally likely to make the uh, major league baseball playoffs this season. Oh, wait. The NC Dinos have made the playoffs five of the last seven seasons. I said major league baseball playoffs. Oh, that's true. Um, okay. The NC and another cool NC Dinos fact. You ready for this? Uh they led the league in home runs last year. So that's why I picked them to root for. Also, their mascot is a dinosaur. That's why I picked them, really. Come on. Dinosaurs are cool. All right, why uh, also, there... they play at 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, so we should be able to see a lot of their games based on a fluke of scheduling at the beginning of the year. Yeah, their games either start at like 10 or or 2 a.m. So you yep. know, and they have more 10 p.m. games, so we could definitely watch a half hour of them and then go to bed. Yeah, I, felt, <laughs> I watched the first uh, the first like four innings. They were up two nothing, and I was like, "Well, I hope they win the rest of the game." I went to bed. It's like it was like eleven thirty at night. There was a rain delay. So, all right, now that now that we got all our NC Dinos talk out of the way, move out of the way. The Seahawks have really moved into like the uh, the final phase of roster building. They were we now can see that they've they've uh, cut some guys. They brought in a bunch more uh, undrafted free agents to can kind of compete for practice squads or kind of last guy on the roster spots. It's really hard to get a read on those guys. You don't know which ones are have a realistic chance to make the roster or which ones don't until you see them in the preseason. And this year, we might not even get a preseason. We might get a shortened preseason or something like that because I'm sure that they'll want to limit until they get to the real games, right? Like they'll want, I have a feeling the NFL strategy is going to be around getting the 16 game season perfect and not worrying so much about any preseason games at all. Uh, but we'll see. Maybe maybe they won't. They don't have the huge TV contracts with the preseason games, which is why I think they'll just kind of bag it. Do you guys have an opinion on that, or can I just move on to our, our topic du jour, our uh, theme of the day? I think we'll see an abbreviated preseason with no fans in the stands. I think it's actually a legitimate piece that the NFL wants, and there's a player safety element too as far as just getting those reps in before live reps to make sure injuries are well, decreased. I- I think there might be con- there might be like a higher concentration of like full contact practices with other teams, you know? Yeah. Can, okay. So like, like some some mixed squad scrimmages and stuff. Yeah. You can't tell me they won't slip a camera into that though. And <laughs> yeah, of course. OTAs. You could, you could do that. You could slip a camera into it. the The thing for me is that you don't want to, uh, you know, if every person you add isn't just another person that you have to 
test and all this stuff because they're at that point we'll probably be in a situation where we're testing and we're tracing and we're just keeping track of where it gets sick and then self-quarantining when someone gets sick and you don't want anyone on your team to get sick because then your whole team is going to get shut down for a week or whatever it's just it sucks so yeah i think that that, that they'll work really hard to try to minimize exposures outside of the team and then part of that will be you know preseason games are pointless i don't I mean, they're not pointless to the guys who are trying to make the, the last guy on the roster, but they're pointless from a fan perspective. And I think you could accomplish 90% of what you accomplish with a preseason game by having those guys play at an inter-squad practice like against uh, the Dallas. Like, oh, we'll travel to Utah and play the Dallas Cowboys in a in the University of Utah Stadium. You know what I mean? Like that, right. that would accomplish all the same goals uh, without having to, um, you know, bring other people and security and have everyone going to cities and stuff we'll see what happens just less risk because yeah, in the end they need the regular season to start so whatever the regular, decreases yeah. the risk on that is what's important that's where the money is you don't want the salary cap to go down and, and bagging tv games is where you're going to start to lose big time money you, people think that like oh the fans are losing fans in the stands is going to lose the money and i actually don't think that that's the case the the big money is in those tv contracts and if they start losing tv games they are going to really feel it so that's they the need entire to league at risk too not just the little teams it's they every need, single team yeah they need to make sure that they get every single tv game right and I, and the preseason games just aren't that so yeah maybe they'll be like a hall of fame game you know like or, or a focus game of the week they'll have like one preseason game they show on national television something like that all right Topic of the week, though, we're going to go through the Seahawks roster. We're going to talk about kind of how many players the Seahawks keep in positions, the guys the Seahawks currently have on the roster, and where we think the competition is heading. There may be some guys that are outside the team that could find their way on to this team to finish up the roster. The Seahawks do have 20, uh, 20 to $21 million in cap room. Uh, that's it after the estimated rookie contracts. So they have enough room to bring in a couple guys. Uh, we'll talk about what positions we think those needs are the greatest and who maybe who could be filling them. So first, to start a quarterback. The Seahawks are currently rostering two quarterbacks. <laughs> they have undrafted free agent Anthony Gordon at Washington State University. I think kind of a surprise undrafted free agent. Most people thought he'd go in like the fifth to seventh round range. Uh, lucky for the Seahawks, we pick up a very viable backup quarterback for with minimal investment to back up the you know the goat himself, Russell Wilson. I don't think there's any question that. That that's their ideal plan. They might bring in a veteran to push Gordon. A Geno Smith, uh, Geno Smith might come back, someone like that. But uh, just to make sure Gordon is uh, ready to go. But I think that they want Gordon to win that backup job, making the long term clipboard holder for Russell Wilson. Maybe he does really well in the preseason, gets his value up, and we could trade him for a third or fourth round pick in a couple of years. That's that's uh, that trajectory I think that this team wants for Anthony Gordon. What do you guys think? We have a massive uh, quarterback controversy in three years, and Russell Wilson pulls a Joe Montana and a Tom Brady. I'm just kidding. Um, I think that's great. I just don't want to trade uh, any draft picks for a quarterback ever again. That's that's my stance on this. I'm happy with where we're at. I don't want to bring in anyone else. If anything, I want to cut somebody. The end. Yeah, we're going to be rolling with two quarterbacks. Uh, uh, Eric's plan of Russell Wilson and... Wilson Russell at quarterback not happening. So uh, the only thing I could see is maybe like Cooper Rush got cut by uh, already Dallas. signed, already signed. Oh, already signed. Okay, uh, I could see maybe one of the guys that just kind of lost a game oh, of musical chairs coming in and competing. Did he sign? Which team did uh, did Dallas's old did uh, Dallas's old coach Clapper? Which team did the Clapper go to? Giants. Yeah, he's on the Giants then. The Giants OC. <laughs> he he reunited with the with his old coach. Oh, okay. Um, all right. 
So we go to running back. Um, it, generally, the Seahawks keep four or five running backs on their roster. Very rarely they'll keep six, but most of the time it's four or five. Uh, right now, we I've dropped Kevin. I did this last year, and Kevin kind of me and Kevin workshopped it together. The we kind of dropped the car- the guys into five buckets. There's the hundred percent lock category. These guys are making the team. Probably yes. These guys are probably making the team. Probably no. Definite no. And IR slash practice squad guys. So. Kevin, I think that there are three absolute locks to to make the roster from the running back position. There is there's Carson, Homer, and Dallas. So those guys all seem like to me, they they I just don't see how the team gets away from having those guys. Penny is obviously going to make the roster, but the way that John and uh, Pete talk about him, he's not going to be ready to start the season, uh, and seems likely to land on the physically unable to perform list. Or, uh, or like the temporary IR designated to return kind of thing. I don't think that that's a super – if he makes it all the way back, that would be awesome. Then Penny's right in here. Put him in. But uh, I think right now he's going to end up on the practice squad. The team also has Nick Ballore, Patrick Carr, and Anthony Jones on the roster. Uh, so Nick Ballore, this is the big discussion. I think we all agree, right? Those three running backs are in. Penny's in Either on the prac, either on the IR or just on the regular roster. I have him in IR right now. Nick, Blair, I also yeah. have him in the IR. I think I, I I see a world in which, as a fourth round pick, DJ Dallas gets cut. I just think that the types of things he's not going to be good at make that unlikely. So I have Homer, Dallas, and Belor on probable yeses. I have Belor on a probable yes because I'm trying a reverse jinx this year after putting him on probable no all of last year, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to ride this one out, boys. Why do you? Why would you put Homer and Dallas not in the like the full lock category? Um, I think depending on Rashad Penny's health and who else the team brings in, there's a possibility that they end up cut. So I was pretty, I was pretty um, literal on my hundred percent lock. If I put someone in a hundred percent lock, I think there's basically no chance they would, get cut unless be, they get traded. That could I would be a be shocker. I'd be stunned if if Dallas didn't make it after straight fourth round pick, and I think Homer earned a spot last year. We have straight up cut fourth round wide receivers. I don't see why we wouldn't straight up cut a fourth round running back. If Not before we the season starts. They cut they cut him after the season started. Harper. I just. Oh yeah, I forgot about Harper. I was talking. I was thinking about last year's guy Jennings. Yeah. They they waited until mid season. All right, wide receiver. Usually the team keeps between five and seven wide receivers. I have six in the probably yes category right now, but I could be talked out of it. Or the or the in the green or yellow. So I have Lockett, Metcalf, Dorset, and more as pretty much a hundred percent in. I could be talked into pushing more into the yellow, but those guys all seem like they've they've cleared the path for those guys to make the roster. Freddie Swain, I almost put him in the lock just because they spent a draft pick on him, and they generally give those guys a shot to make the team this season. And I put Ursua in probably yes as well. I think that that's Rashad Penny's spot. Ursua is going to get Penny's roster spot. Uh, to uh, to kind of warm the uh, the team, and unless he like unless he blows it out of the water, then a penny pin penny comes back. That's the guy who will be getting the axe. Um, there's a bunch of other guys in the roster: Cody Thompson, Penny Hart, Seth Doskins, Aaron Fuller. Those all seem like practice squads or nose to me. Uh, do you guys, where did you guys? Are uh, Eric? Where do you see this wide receiver group shaking out? Do you see uh, any? I, any I'm really kind of. Irritated we have David Moore still. I don't know. I, I didn't 
I don't know why I'm a David Moore hater. I'm like you realize the, he's not the one that dropped the playoff ball, right? Oh, I know, I know. And just he, making sure he doesn't need to be named because he's not on the team anymore. I'd be I'd be more mad about that. I think what is about like me and Seattle four receipt like fourth receiver? number four number four receivers. Yeah. Like if you if you go back through my life, like uh, you know, early early aughts, Eric is like, oh, Alex Bannister is crap. I bet he loses us a Green Bay playoff game. Uh, <laughs> the uh, Ricardo Lockett. Like, oh, that guy can't catch a ball. He's just a special teams guy. I don't like him on the field. Why are we playing him? Um, uh, of course, Jermaine Curse, And now, David Moore. Welcome to the Hatred Club. Um, <laughs> I, I, You know, I think it's Lockett, Metcalf, Dorsett. Um, I don't know. We, we go back and forth on Ursua. I don't really know if this guy's going to be on the roster. I kind of wanted to see him last year, but you remember how high I was on Jennings. Um, one, one catch for John Ursua last year. Yeah, and so I can't I can't put him in like in that fourth or fifth spot. I'd probably just put Swain just because uh, the expectations right now it's a crapshoot, and I would not be surprised if we brought in someone else, a veteran, to lock up one of those spots. All right, Kevin, what do you think? So I think Lockett and Metcalf are hundred percent locked. No way anything happens there. I think Dorsett, Moore, and Swain are most likely the next three in. And I have Ursu on the offside of the bubble because I think we're going to be carrying a lot of um, offensive linemen uh, this season. And so that spot has to come from somewhere. So right now I have Ursu in probable no. But I could see him making the roster depending on how we decide to allocate spots. Um, Of the guys who might be practice squad bound, I think Aaron Fuller makes the most sense both based on age as well as based on his return experience. So if there's an injury and we need a flexible fifth wide receiver, I could see him being a guy we stash on the practice squad, especially with the new expanded roster rules. Yeah, I I think Freddie Swain, they really expect him to have a role on special teams right away. That seems like why they targeted him. If you look at his tape, he's a really solid special teamer and returner. Uh, I think between and, him and Dallas, they expect to be able to take that load off of Lockett's and, shoulders. And the thing for me is, is like I almost feel like they have to keep David Moore because – Lockett and Metcalf, are, they they won't. All these other guys are kind of better in the slot. Dorsett or Sua Moore Swain, and it you don't want or not. Sorry, Dorsett or Sua and Swain. So I feel like David Moore has a pretty clear path to just being like the backup X receiver on this team. Uh, yeah, if there's no other moves made, guys. I would agree. Um, all right, uh, there's been a rumor for these backfield skill positions that Marshawn Lynch is interested in coming back. Uh, I would just say for me personally, I would just kick Nick Ballard to the curb and have Marshawn take his spot, even though I know Marshawn's not a traditional lead fullback or anything like that. And I don't even know if, if, uh, but they could find guys to play that role. Uh, other teams use defensive linemen in that spot. Other teams use tight ends to play in the backfield. You don't have to roster a fullback to have a guy lead block. It's not a, it's nothing like I would for not the nine so- snaps a game that we do it. Yeah. Or less. I mean, look at like Miami, Miami, when they need a fullback, who do they put in the backfield? They put Christian Wilkins back there. Like we could do the same thing with Puna Ford. It's not, it's not out of the question. Puna Ford just lead blocking for, for Chris Carson is basically uh, the best thing I could think of. So, and plus when Puna Ford catches a touchdown pass on like a leak out play, that's going to be the greatest moment of my entire life. So yeah, we'll retire would, the podcast. Why would the Seahawks not do that? <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm saying. So I think if if Marshawn's serious about that and Rashad's going to take his time coming back, yeah, but I I do think that flexing out the fullback for Marshawn is not an unreasonable move. Gives you some depth. He'll be good in the running back room. Obviously you just want to have Carson. Carson has the second most forced missed tackles of any running back in the last three years. He has 
consistently excellent other than the fumbles. So you really just, you want to have Carson and, and then, you know, if you bring Marshawn in to thump at the line when Carson's gassed, that's fine. That's a great role for him. I think a hidden benefit with Lynch would be if you're bringing in a veteran back to be a fill in for the first four to six games anyway, bringing in a guy who's intimately familiar with the team in the locker room uh, gives an additional advantage in what's going to be a very shortened off season. Yeah. All right. So we go to tight end. The team generally keeps between two and four tight ends. Last year they kept two, but a lot of times they keep three or four. So um, let's look at our tight ends. We got Greg Olson, Will Disley, Jacob Hollister, Colby Parkinson, Luke Wilson, Stephen Sullivan, Tyler Mabry, Justin Johnson, and Dominic Wood Anderson. This is a crazy amount of tight ends. There are currently nine tight ends on the roster fighting for three or four spots in my estimation. So let's start with Kevin. Kevin, how do you how do you have the 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 top of this chart chart shaken out? Okay, so if we were only going to keep two, I think it's Olsen and Disley, and that's easy. But I think there's a really good chance, based on both the talent level at the position group and also the resources we've invested, we're keeping more than two. So my probable yeses are Hollister and Parkinson in a four-person tight end room. I think Luke Wilson's probably first man on the outside looking in. We already cut him once, and we aren't afraid to do it again. And then if I had to guess who was going to end up on the practice squad, the team would try and put Sullivan there unless they try and hide him on the roster as the sixth wide receiver. And Dominic Wood Anderson um, is another guy who has some interesting traits coming out of college that I could see trying to stash on the practice squad. Yeah, Sullivan Sullivan over Ursua was actually something I really thought about quite a bit. But I do think they're going to try to sneak him onto the practice squad. It it doesn't seem like once rosters get set, it's easier to do that. Like I know there are other teams interested in signing him as a UDFA, but once teams start to set their rosters and it gets it gets a little cheekier you can get a little cheekier with it so i agree and i'm also gonna ride my take that colby parkinson has just upgraded luke wilson to the point where i now have him improbable yes and luke wilson improbable no just to lock that in yeah, also hollister is one of the guys who could take fullback snaps for us yeah i have olsen disley hollister and parkinson as my top four as well i think that that's pretty solid luke wilson i i know some fans love him uh i i find the shtick uh to be uh I'm I'm get kind of tired of it. You're in the Greg Olson camp here. I I don't know. It just seems like it's <laughs> it's been happening for a really long time. You know what I mean? It's just like okay, we get it. You're uh, kind of a crazy, wild and crazy Canadian guy. I love that he's Can- he's so Canadian. There you go. All right. There. I said <laughs> I said I said something nice about Luke Wilson, so I'm I'm done now. Eric, uh, do you have any thoughts on our tight end room? No man, that's exactly. Kevin summed it up, and we just keep reiterating reiterating it. It's going to be. Disley Olson, Parkinson, and Hollister. I feel like he has to be a lock only because he's he's like our new Luke Wilson in the sense of the guy who just keeps coming back because he knows the offense. I don't see there's any way we make it out of here with Luke Wilson on this roster. There's there's just no way. And um, unless there's an injury situation or because we're not going to carry five tight ends. So I thought about insane. that, Kevin. But with with Will Disley, I think that is a likely engineer injury scenario. And I'm just, I think that's why Luke Wilson's here just in case, but I don't know. I think the the competition is too great and I'm in the John Gruden camp. I just don't like the guy with the small calves. I just, I just don't like it. <laughs> look at the, look at this guy's calves right here. Look at this kid, Mike, this kid, he's got he's, small that's calves. What he's on a, on hard knock. He goes, you got small calves. Don't like guys with small calves. <laughs> uh, all right so 
we'll go to the offensive line next. The generally the Seahawks keep between nine and eleven offensive linemen, but lately it's been more nine than than the high. It's been on the low side as opposed to the high side. So let's start with the tackles. So are currently rostering six tackles: Dwayne Brown, Brandon Shell, Jamarco Jones, Chad Wheeler, Cedric Abui, and Tommy Champion. I have um, I have the Seahawks only keeping three: Kevin, Dwayne Brown, Jamarco Jones, and Brandon Shell. I uh, I think that the there's a lot of flexibility with some of these guys that are on the roster, um, and I just I just I am I'm more on the side of nine right now, nine over over five. If you're going to keep four tight ends, then I think a lot of that offensive tackle playing tight end stuff is going to go away. I, I'm just guessing. I would think that you know you can throw Greg Olson and Will Disley out there and trust them to actually block. So I don't. Cedric Abuhi is the guy they brought in, I think, to play that extra extra offensive lineman role and also be a backup tackle. But uh, I'm starting to. It's going to get tight somewhere, and I had to make a cut. And I. I do think too that generally this team likes to keep more defensive players than offensive players. I don't know why, but they do. So I'm, uh, I'm in. I'm out on Cedric Abu. I put him in probable no with Chad Wheeler and Tom and Champion. So, all right, tell me why I'm wrong. All right, so I'm going to say that I was working with the roster as constructed, and I think if we pick up extra defensive lineman in the rotation offensive line is probably where that one slot comes from but my reasoning was i think either cedric a boy or chad wheeler end up on the roster because carrying um because ethan posich we don't know if he's a guard or a center jamarco jones we don't know if he's a tackle or a guard and so it's kind of a way of hedging based on how the roster construction is going to be with uh, who might be starting. We're also carrying a couple of older guys, and I think there's some question marks between our old guys and our rookies. So right now I have Brown, Shell, and Jones as locks, and then I think there's just that battle for a potential fourth tackle spot. Yeah, I think I think there's three guys. And, uh, four, and then Tommy Champion's a definite no. I have the four. I have like four guys: uh, Ch- Chance Warmack, Jordan Simmons, Cedric Agui, and Joey Hunt. And I think those four guys are all fighting for like one roster spot between the four of them. Maybe do you think that? Do you, so you think that's more like two? Then is that is that what you're thinking, Kevin? Yeah, I think at, right now I think that's probably two roster spots. Yeah. See, for me, I just think it's well. There are, those four guys are going for one roster. I could be talked into like Agui over Simmons because right now I have Jordan Simmons in. I have Jordan but, Simmons out. Because I have yeah. I have us carrying four guards. Yeah, I have five five guards, three tackles, and one. Well, I think a lot of our guards can play center, so, so that's why. Yeah, I but I don't know if center. the Seahawks think that. That's kind of my hang up. I, they said that they were ready for Phil Haynes to play center last year, even though I know he's this year he's going to be the starting guard. Uh, but Damian Lewis, so guards, let's get there. Damian Lewis, Phil Haynes, Ethan Posich, those guys, unless their legs fall off, I think they're in. Eupati, I think, is almost definitely in as well. And then, like I said, I got Simmons and Warmack and Hunt kind of fighting for uh, an interior line spot. BJ Finney is my starting center. Uh, Jordan Roos out. Demetrius Knox could make his way onto the roster. I put him up and probably no. And, I have him in practice, IR slash practice squad. Because he was practice squad practice? last year. This would be his second practice squad year. I think we could get him there. He's uh, got a I very like Jordan Demet- Roos profile. I like Demetrius Knox a little bit. I don't know. Yes, it's like Jordan Roos, where he's probably never going to work out. It's just going to break my heart over and over. But I'm ready for my heart to be broken. Eric, your heart's been broken by Jordan Roos as well. 
I know. Uh, any any of these guard uh, like guards stand out to you, or do you think that we kind of are on the right track here? Kevin, you I said think, Simmons I think out. nailed it. I think what we have to look at now is the definitive number. I think the Seahawks are going to settle at nine because nine irritates me, and I want ten. <laughs> I, I think it's <laughs> I think it's time to to trust that our offensive line is getting better. Uh, is it anyway? Uh, <laughs> I, I I just think that. The Seahawks are going to go with what what amounts to a healthy offensive line uh, throughout the season. That number to them will be nine. We have a lot of players in the skill position categories that we that we may need to make roster spots for. That's not counting the guys we have yet to sign. Uh, I feel like they're going to want a bigger rotation. I think they may wear Ayupati out until like Phil Haynes can take over. Um Maybe, like you said, Ethan Postich is a guard. Maybe he's the backup center. I think nine is the number, though, and we've Kevin, talked about the players. Kevin, I have a question. You put Joey Hunt in probably, yes. Did you? Does he owe you $200 and you just can't let him leave until he gives you the money, or what? what's going on there? Do you I think the Joey? Seahawks are comfortable keeping him as the backup center for continuity's sake, um, also Ooh. because it's a matter of having somebody they know they can plug in that has started on that line in that position. I think Brick getting cut is what kind of locks joey hunt in mm, interesting and i would go that i i really have a lot of i'm a ethan postage super fan number one i want to see him play center so bad it's like been my dream for i don't know how long has he been on our team three years now well remember this is this is roster speculation not roster fantasy because otherwise so, i would definitely have postage in there battling with finney yeah, but so. uh right now if i had to say i would say right now cedric um, Chad Wheeler, Jordan Simmons, Chance Warmack, and Kyle Fuller are all fighting for one spot. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Defensive line. Uh, the defensive line usually keeps between 9 and 11 players, usually split like 5 and 5, 6 and 5, 6 and 4, something like that. Um, there's not a lot of depth here. There's not a lot to talk about. Um, one thing I'll say, Kevin, that I did that's different than you since I saw your stuff, I, list, I put Bruce Irvin with the linebackers. Because I think that this team sees Bruce Irvin as someone who plays backup linebacker and backup defensive end, a flexible piece that they can use on both spots. Um, that's it. That's the only thing. That's my only comment. It it, so it gave who's me your re- lock. Who's your yes? I've locked Rasheem Green, Gerald Taylor, and L.J. Collier. I put yes for Mayoa, Jackson, and Robinson, and then I put Marcus Webb on the practice squad. I didn't see any other way to do it. Yeah, neither do I, except I have Bruce Irvin as a probable yes, um, as an edge, and I have Brandon Jackson as a probable no. Um, I will say I had the exact same consideration as you do, which is why they're both improbables for me. I think Jackson's next guy on, but I also think as soon as there's a potential position upgrade here, then I think Jackson immediately yeah. switches to probable. Jackson. He's the guy we're trying to replace desperately. Correct. That Jackson is the guy we we want a real five tech to come in and take Brandon Jackson's spot. That's that's what the team really needs. Um, so let's five tech watch. Eric, Jamie and Clowney, you over it? Or are you still holding out faith? You you burning that flame? What's how did what's your feeling right now? Jamie okay. Clowney watch. I like the Jets came in last week and it was like, of course it's the Jets. It's gonna be a third party we didn't expect that and frankly, I was expecting a contender, and it's... You don't think the Jets are a contender? No, 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 no. That's why I said I was expecting Jeez, a contender, yes. and instead, it was the Jets. Uh, does Eric Mangini still quote them, uh, coach them? Uh, so, 
No, it's the new man genie case. <laughs> it's the new man genius case. Jeez, that crazy eye. Okay, so the new boss, same as the old boss. <laughs> Clowny, am I over him? Listen, I want two signings for pass rush. They're out there. I want them. I want this team to compete for a championship next year. I think that there are a couple pieces out there that we've talked about weeks after week that could be pretty cool. Uh, I don't know what the holdup is. I feel like it's the players. Talk to me next week. I also want Mike Daniels and uh, Michael Bennett. (laughs) Mike Daniels and Max Harrison. (laughs) I mean, I'm much more worried at this point. I'm very worried about interior defensive line. I, I mean, I understand why we're waiting for. You're Clowney. not ready for the. You're not ready for the Monet Christmas train. Clowny, <laughs> Clowny faces an absurd amount of double teams. He does just does all kinds of stuff that no one else that's on free agency can do. He demands attention in a way that no one else does. He sets the edge as a five technique, which is something we we really need someone to do because our run defense is not good. And the part of the reason our run defense is not good last year is because we moved Jadavian Clowney all over the field trying to find a way for him to be effective because he was our only productive defensive lineman. And that's not good. That what we what we need is to really define his role better this year and let him be disruptive on the on in his spot so other guys can be disruptive in their spots. So I I want I want to I want us to get Clowney back and really let him be that five technique edge setter that that the team really needs as opposed to a guy we move all over the line trying to find a bad matchup because we're so desperate for pass rush. Do we have money for Clowney Griffin and uh, someone like Harrison? That'd be that's a stretch to me, but I don't know. Somebody would have to be taking a sweetheart of a deal for that to happen. Yeah, there's rumor like John Clayton went on seven ten and said uh, Everson Griffin's uh, looking at contracts in the three million dollar range. If he if that's true, then yes, we have room for all three of those guys. I don't believe that for one second though. There's no way. I feel like his source on that is John Clayton. He had he had a (laughs) contract, but no way. He had a contract for $13 million that he opted out of. I don't think that he would take, even though it was non-guaranteed, he was going to get cut. I don't think he'd take less than like six, seven, eight, something like that. That's the range I'm looking at for, for him. So we'll see You're what probably happens. probably looking at the same minimal need for snacks because he yeah. wanted out of Detroit really bad. But like, you know, he also could I, just retire be, on his I'll be honest. Money. Let's get to defense cycle. But I'd rather have Mike Daniels than Snacks Harrison just because he provides Ooh, a, I'm opposite. an interior pass rush that I think – we we had a plan this this offseason for improving the run defense. Go get a better linebacker, um, and I think the the run defense will improve quite a bit from that. Uh, Snacks Harrison is good, but I just Mike Daniels provides interior pass rush, which is kind of hard to come by, and we desperately need guys that can get to the quarterback. I just don't think there's any on the roster right now. So if uh, it would be nice to me to get a guy that can get seven eight sacks a year, um, that that would be something. I think they'd be really happy about. Uh, so, yeah, the, this is in the same position where it's like the last one, def- interior defensive line. There's four guys making the team, and there's two guys that are probably not. Jaron Reed, Puna Ford, Brian Monet, and Demarcus Christmas. That's the that's the defensive tackle rotation. And then maybe you have like LJ and Rasheem Green playing some three-tech on, on a few plays a game to spell those guys, but that's it. And then Cedric Lattimore and Josh Avery are looking at practice squads or, or Cutsville. Uh we desperately need to go sign some people at this position. Kevin, you said you like snacks a little better than Mike Daniels. What, 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 what's the difference between those two guys for you? 
for me, I don't think that Daniels has been has been particularly productive the last few seasons, and I'm not necessarily sure that rebounds. Um, I believe injuries played a little bit of a role. Um, also, he's been pretty migratory, which can be troublesome uh, for settling into scheme. The other thing is, I think we can get better pass rush out of Puna and Jaron Reed. Uh, last year was a pretty low watermark for their pass rush ability by allowing them to focus a little bit more on that three-tech role or allowing a guy like Rasheem Green to kick over or LJ Collier to kick over. Uh, we can get some more interior pass rush by getting a guy to split some of those nose snaps. Or even if we can just get snacks in there to split the nose snaps with Puna so that Reed can dedicate to three-tech. I think either of those could be a way of generating more interior pass rush by just making a stronger uh, kind of nose rotation so that we don't have to worry about that run-stopping piece. And I'll be honest, I'd like to have both of those guys. Like I, In an ideal world, we get both of those guys. If we replace Brian Bonet sh- and DeMarcus Christmas with Mike Daniels and I even mind. Harrison, that's a big upgrade. I wouldn't yeah. even mind keeping Christmas and just like pushing Monet and like Brandon Jackson off the roster and having five interior and five exterior guys. Um, that's fine with me too, especially because Urban and Shaquem Griffin can can potentially come in and play some defensive end in situations. All right, some Le- some Leo, you know the stand up, the star, the star player of our defense. Yeah, All the right. the four three over. Eric, you got strong feelings? No, uh, I I feel like we're in a holding pattern, like we said before. I, I think it's uh, we're we're waiting for the domino to fall. Yeah, once. it's it's a waiting Finally. game right now, and and speculation is is just that. But if we don't have the pieces, and right now we don't have the pieces, like if this was it. Or if there was like one defensive tackle we were bringing in, I'd just be like, I'd just throw my papers in the air. Legitimately, even if it was uh, Everson Griffin and Brandon Meebane, that would make me feel a little bit better. Just because right now our interior defensive line situation is pretty dire. It's Jaron Reed, Puna Ford, and then Jaron Reed some more and Puna Ford. Those guys are going to play a lot right now. if the And way too much. Yeah, I think the D tackle is going to work itself out. It's not going to be a star name, but if it's someone like Daniels or Harrison that we bring or, in, or trading a seventh round pick on cut day for some guy, someone else is cutting. I mean, yeah. there's lot, there's lots of ways to work this move. That, that I feel like that's where we can we can we can put put some uh, uh, flex seal on and 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 make our boat. But the edge, the pass rush, the the lack of of a uh, Oh, the over rotation that we have right now—it's—I don't—it's—it's it's giving me a headache realizing like when is this going to happen? Because now's the time. Like last week was the time. Yeah. Oh, see, I'll even say I'm more worried about our interior than our edge. Mm. I'll go that far. I think that um, the, I feel like we coverage... have five or six NFL level edge guys, even if we don't have that marquee pass rusher that we want. Right. I feel like we have two and a half NFL level interior defensive linemen. Yeah, and. It's at, we're asking a lot of the interior defense alignment here. Whereas like the edge guys, maybe none of them get more than seven sacks, but we have like four guys who could get seven sacks. No problem. Uh, Bruce Benson, uh, Rasheem green, uh, Darrell Taylor, LJ Collier, like all those guys could get like, you know, four to seven sacks. And then all of a sudden we're looking at, no, then now we're at 30 sacks for the, for just those guys. And then Jaron has six and now we're at 36, you know, it's like the sacks can come from, from a lot of different places. But I just but think Jaren that, can't rush the passer if he's in there for eighty percent of our snaps. Right. If Jaren Reed has to play sixty snaps or fifty three snaps, that we're that's bad. That's really, really bad. Um, all right, linebacker. Seahawks keep between five and seven linebackers depending on special teams contributions. 
Uh, I think the deadlocks, Bobby Wagner, Jordan Brooks, Cody Barton, KJ Wright. Um, with KJ Wright switching sides of the field, I think the team really wants to keep him for at least just the end of his contract. You know, this is last year. I think he rides one more time and then into the night he goes. <laughs> I have Bruce Irvin and Shaquem Griffin as my uh, my other probably yeses. Uh, Shaquem's been an excellent special teams contributor. Uh, I think the team really cares about that, Bruce Irvin. Um, the only thing is, is him and Shaquem are like the same player, but 10 years apart, and one of them plays special teams. So I think if the team actually has to choose one or the other, they might choose Shaquem Griffin just for the special teams. I have Ben Burkirvan as a probable no, but I could see him working his way onto the roster for Shaquem. Another special teams um, guy too. Another special teams guy. Emmanuel Ellerby is another guy who has potential to make it onto the roster. Um, and then there's a couple guys that they picked up, practice squad potential guys, Sutton Smith, Eli Menser. So Kevin, or who did you have in your probable yes and locks and no's and all that? So my locks are Wagner, Brooks, and, Car- and Barton. I just think that that's a plan moving forward. I think in 2021, those are our starting three. So for 2020, that makes him a roster lock. I could see something happening with KJ if it became a situation where we could free up that money to do a sizable repair at a different position group. So that's why he's only a probable yes for me. I think if he's on the roster come training camp, then he I can probably move him over to lock. Uh, ben Kervin and Shaquem Griffin both provide a lot of special teams and quality special teams play. Uh, BBK has the added benefit that he can back up at all three linebacker spots. And Shaquem has that pass rush potential. Um, again, I have Bruce Irvin as an edge. Um, Brooks and Barton, I feel like, can back up all the spots. I don't know. I think Brooke Irvin has a lot of – there's a lot of pressure on him this year coming from a lot of different angles. The team's desperation for pass rushers and defensive linemen – that there's just a glut of good linebackers on this roster to the point where I think that like Irvin and Griffin, I put them in linebackers, but I don't even know how many snaps they'll need to take a linebacker with Wagner, Brooks, Barton, and Wright on the roster. Like that's those are three guys that are going to eat a ton of snaps, right? He's just super blocked. So he's going to have to bring a lot to the table in special teams to, to justify that roster spot. And I just don't know if it's, if it's there, maybe he could play fullback though. That, that I'm not even joking like that that would make me like move him over maybe a little bit that um, would be amazing I would be a big fan of that Eric I know there was like some disappointment with a first round pick being a, a kind of a you know Sam linebacker do you or will linebacker I don't I'm not um I'm not 100% sure exactly where Jordan Brooks will play that seems like they're gonna have him play will right Kevin uh, uh what my guess is is that he'll be a Sam linebacker in four three but then he'll be the other linebacker that stays on the field when we go to like but uh, two John, linebacker sets. John John did say that he was going to have KJ Wright play on the other side this year, the opposite side of usual in we'll that, in his press conference. I know that that's like you know you have to take him at his word, but that I think that'd be a really good role for KJ, just revitalizing him and giving him an opportunity to be like, hey, you know what, my job is to set the edge over here in the run game, and that's it. I don't have to chase guys anymore, which he spent a lot of time last year chasing dudes. Around. That's true. The The thing to be interesting about that is um, that tends to be our blitz side just because of how we've used the Sam. And that's not something KJ is especially good at. So I think our blitz packages at the linebacker position would have to change quite a bit. That'd be interesting to see because I think Brooks is, even at this point in his career, a considerably better blitzer than KJ right now. One thing I on th- those packages, you may be putting Brooks in there or Irvin in there. That's true. Um, and I think... Like you said, Nathan Benberg, I think that guy was maybe a, a lock before the draft, but 
we drafted some some special teams players. I think that's where he shines, and I think Quim is the is the more likely player we keep. Otherwise, it's Wagner, Barton, uh, Irvin, wherever you stick him. KJ Wright is a bubble player, in my opinion. If if they want to they want to put him to just kind of not ch- run all over the field, that will extend his career. And by extend his career, I mean all this year. But um, right now, he's a bubble player for me. Okay, there are a lot of line, uh, cornerbacks on this roster right now. The Seahawks usually keep between five and seven corners, depending on special teams. So let's just start with this. Uh, there's four guys that are like definitely going to make it. Griffin, Dunbar, Flowers, and Amadi. Do we all agree with that? Yes. Yes. Okay, then Thorpe is kind of our special teams talisman. I would be surprised if he didn't make the team, but not shocked. Then there's there's these other five guys, uh, seven guys, sorry. Allen, Heslop, Renfro, Severand, Norwood, Stanley, Stevens. As our deep researcher, Kevin, do any of these guys stand out to you as guys that have a realistic chance to like make the roster? Like, are any of these guys exciting prospects for you? Or or maybe like are they are any of these guys guys you really want to see stashed on the practice squad? Uh Stanley, Stevens, and Renfro especially stick out as guys who have measurables that we really, really like. And I would go so far as to say covet. And I could see if they make a big showing. And if the team feels really good about our special teams, I could see one of them maybe making it over the torpedo. Or if their configuration is different than my configuration, I could see one of them being our sixth cornerback. And then whoever of that can't make it in there, um, is, we're going to try and slip dudes out in the practice squad from that cornerback spot. Like I could see two or three people from that cornerback group being uh, being at least an attempt at getting to the practice squad because I think that it's a, it's a really interesting traits group. Uh, Gavin Heslop is someone I think that this team sees as like a really high ceiling uh, nickel corner guy. He's six feet tall, thirty two inch arms, really good short shuttle and three cone time at his at his pro day. And so like when I looked at him, he also had. Um, he did. He had thirty pass breakups in his college career, which is pretty good. I think he's a he's an aggressive cornerback, uh, and that the team might see him as competition for for like Ugo. I could see them keeping Heslop as a cornerback and moving Ugo back to safety. And yeah, and I can see that too. And having, and safety having, rotations thin. And having Ugo be uh, be the fourth safety or slash backup uh, backup star cornerback with Heslop taking the the kind of starting role from him. He and again, a, a plus special teamer me. in Ugo. Like, yeah, that's why he's a lock Ugo's, on the roster for Ugo's me, making, wherever he is. Yeah, he's making the team. He's just, it's the question is, do they continue to try to develop him in, in the slot or do they work him in as a safety and let other one of these other prospects, which there's quite a few of them. Kevin brought up three, and I think I, I brought up one that you didn't even say, right, Kevin? Yep. So, and so, like, we these guys have potential. They're all height, weight, speed guys, or they all have really good, um, something really good that they do but the Seahawks could develop. So it'll be interesting to see how that room shakes out. I do think that the improvement in the secondary going to Griffin Dunbar and flowers, as opposed to just Griffin and flowers, it, it makes that a real competition. Those guys will be competing on those outside spots hard. And because of that, these, these guys now, um, I think it'll make it easier for the defensive line guys a little bit, just a little bit. Um, Yeah. Coverage means that they'll have maybe two and three quarter seconds closer to three seconds to make that sack instead of that 2.5. All right, Eric, I know you love Nico Thorpe. 
Would you cry big? <laughs> not as much as me, maybe, but you definitely love him. Uh, uh, would you cry I, big tears if he got cut in this offseason? No. I mean, That's I just have to read the Patreon for a day or the Discord where everyone says Torpedo 50 times. Easy, um, easy. So many Z's. Easy, easy. Easy. Uh, Dunbar, Griffin, Amadi could go back to safety. Right now, this is this is like the most fun playoff play. <clears throat> sorry playing group to watch because them and the safeties it's going to be interesting how it shakes out if anything i'm i'm most optimistic and most excited for this for the entire secondary one, one thing to think about too is the team strong. might the team might develop some of these corners into safeties too i it's hard until we see these guys onto the field but like no one expected that we we kind of heard beforehand that trey flowers they saw him as a corner but he was a safety in college right and some of these guys that are were corners in college the team might be thinking hey their future is at safety and this is not like a exceptionally deep safety group that we have uh i mean i named all those guys as cornerbacks some of those secondary players might be coming back to safety because other than Diggs and blair and Mc, and then mcdougald i don't think that any of these the other three guys, Hill, Neal, and Miller, those guys aren't safe at all. And these corners could be coming for their roster spots if they can flexibly play a little safety too. Uh, I love Diggs. I love Blair. I love McDougald. Um, Lano Hill has never impressed me. Uh, consistent consistent level of disappointment. Eric, I think you agree with that. What's your Lano Hill feelings? Uh, exact same. I think it's, it's important to take note of where we are now because there's so much talent in the secondary – and so much, I'd say it's a bright future, but don't forget last year, there were a handful of plays that lost us games, big moments, uh, tracking long plays where maybe that didn't lose the game for us, but it basically put us down 10 points. It was a swing in the game. Without that swing, we win those games. Uh Things like that, I don't think will be happening this year. I'm very excited. I'm excited to see where Marquise Blair winds up. We're all really excited for Marquise Blair, but uh, you know that guy may not even make the team. And all these corners, safeties that we drafted, uh, there's a lot of talent there. And I think one, this could just be me fantasizing right now, uh, you know, roster fantasization, that we get one stud out of here, one guy that can actually be turned into a solid piece, a solid nickel corner, maybe. Can I can I talk a little bit about Ryan Neal? Go for uh, it. By all means. I was, so I actually looked at Neil. <laughs> Ryan Neal's Mike Neal's little brother, the linebacker for the Packers. He ran a four 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 forty at the FCS Combine. Uh, I think that he is he's a better safety prospect than I uh, maybe people give him credit for. He you know it's he's he's under the radar a little bit. He jumped thirty eight inches. He uh, broaded one twenty seven. So it's this is a this is a real athlete, you know. This isn't some guy who uh, doesn't also – he did a pretty slow 20-yard shuttle, but I don't know if that matters because I think that the team's going to look at him as kind of a, a two-high safety or a or a, a, a single-high safety. So that, I think that that's the guy to watch is Ryan Neal could be coming for that last safety spot on the roster, maybe more than people expect. How about, how about that? There you go. I did a little – Exciting stuff. Do a little deep. Sorry, I know Chris Miller went to Baylor, and he's a thumper. Oh, Chris Miller! Really what I was going to talk about way too thin to try to thump like that in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, that's Chris Miller's got um like an Earl Thomas body and a Cam Chancellor hit ratio, which is a, an odd an odd assemblage. Um, I I think with the three, if Neil makes it, it's because the team decided that Blair 
can't hold down the single high, and so Blair's competing with McDougald for the box spot. If uh, Hill makes it, it's because Miller and Neal didn't show enough for them to trust one of the rookies to hold down a roster spot. And if Miller makes it, it's because the team feels like Diggs, Blair, and McDougal could all handle single high if necessary, and they wanted a backup box safety who they knew was like a chase and tackle guy. Yeah, so Mil- there's Miller's- a lot of flexibility there. Miller seems like the kind of guy who would be a psychopath on special teams too, and the team yeah. would love that. <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> just a guy who would just be flying down the field looking to murder someone. Between uh, him and Amadi, someone going to get killed next year. So no no surprises here. Dixon's the punter. Automatic Jason Myers is your kicker. And uh, 69, Tyler Ott is your uh, nice long snapper. That's it. That's the Seahawks. That's the Wait, Seahawks. why isn't he automatic if you're going to do that joke? I don't know. Jason Myers, baby. It's it's great question. J- Jason Myers. Jason Myers is the sex panther of uh, NFL kickers. 70% of the time, it works every time. That's an apt comparison. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> perfect. So, all right, any final roster thoughts before we do? What If you are in charge of the Seahawks, Eric, I'll go Eric first, and then Kevin, same question. If you're in charge of the Seahawks, what would you? What are the last few moves you are dying to make? Like, Is it all defensive line like everyone's been saying? Is there some sneaky move that you've got in your back pocket that you could make? Or are you just all defensive line? I think you got to go defensive line with leaving some money because you need to shore up the interior, get a little pass rush going on the edge. But there's going to be a cut that we may want. And I'm I'm thinking we're – I think it might be a good idea. We're probably not going to do it. I think it's a good idea to get a veteran receiver. We – we signed Dorsett, but if you look at if you look at our our team of receivers, David Moore is the fourth guy, and Dorsett is the third guy. Tyler Lockett is not made of steel anymore. I think it would be a really good idea, and maybe maybe Freddie Swain is going to be the man this year. I don't know. Maybe it's possible. Uh, DK Metcalf certainly over impressed last year, but we can't count on that happening two years in a row. Um, all right. I have a, th- I have a Kevin go same question. And then I, okay. have a, then I have a thought. Uh, I do think defensive line is really important. At least one. I think we need at least one or two bodies on the interior. Um, I think if we can get that marquee edge rusher, that's where that big paycheck goes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great expenditure of resources. And then for me, uh, the one that could be a little bit of a surprise, but would make a lot of sense to me would actually be adding another corner. Oh, dang it. You stole my thunder. That was my, I was going to say really there, there are three very capable slot corners just sitting out there. Logan Ryan, Darquise Denard and Tremont Williams are all just like hanging out. Don't have a job. They're all very capable slot cornerbacks. And that could give them the flexibility to like push Ugo back into the safety spot. If, if Neil and Hill are both like pretty disappointing in the off season drills, those guys are both, I think, Really, I I think all three of those guys are pretty good nickel cornerbacks. Um, Specifically, Logan Ryan, nickel. Logan Ryan is the big name, but I don't think the difference between like Tremont Williams is like ancient. He's like a thousand years old, but he still played really good last year. And Darquise Denard is um can, is also really solid. All three I think Denard's the, almost as good as Logan Ryan on any given year. Yeah, yeah. I think that the 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 difference between these guys is not huge, and all of those guys can cover still. So. I don't know. I, I could totally see the Seahawks kind of pushing in and being like, hey, let's grab one of these slot cornerbacks and really make the secondary our marquee. And you look at a team like New England who builds from the secondary and then up, and we did the same thing. And 
you know, yes, we had good pass rushers too. Cliff Averill and Mike Bennett were awesome, but they were really assisted by the fact that our secondary gave them plenty of time to get home. You know, or yeah, plenty of the time. The whole point was our secondary and our defensive line were not going to be off in the same game. If our coverage wasn't getting it done quite yet, our offense, our defensive line was good enough to give them that extra time. But a lot of times, the coverage was so good. Like Mike Bennett feasted on coverage sacks. Like he he had that really good first step. But the big thing was he was a guy who kept going and going. The big thing that we always talked about with Aver was he always got a ton of pressures because he had great counter moves. Yeah, well, sec- well, if you're always getting so good. Yeah, and the thing with. Uh, secondary moves is you're not getting your secondary move off in a three second pass in a two in a two in a 2.1 second pass rush like Mm -hmm. if if they're able to get the first read open every single time it doesn't matter what your second move is the ball's out so uh the symbiotic relationship between pass rush and coverage is what's key here so i think we all agree that the pass rush needs to be more effective and we can address that in kind of one of two ways all right uh, anything else before we head to the uh, the money zone in our movie suggestions? No, Hurry up, Seahawks. Right, Dra- so, uh, get your D-line guys now. If you want to you support the Seahawks Nest podcast, there are many ways to do so. The best way to do so, head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. The little is $1.24 a month. Get in the Patreon. Uh, see Kevin's uh, draft breakdown videos. He's done three so far. Are you going to do a Colby Parkinson one, Kevin? Yeah, I'm going to try and get to everybody. I'm just a little swamped with school stuff right now. Oh, yeah. I, I figured you were, but I mean, obviously. Hashtag but- teacher life. Obviously, you do the most exciting ones first. I don't blame you for that. You did like three that I thought were like the most exciting players, and then you just now you're like, I'm gonna take a break, and I don't blame you for that. So, uh, thanks to a first new patron of May, Jacob. Thanks for joining the squad. See you in the see you in the Discord, uh, and all the other patrons: Carrie, Lucas, Tom, James, Timothy, Andy, Nick, Brandon, Brian, Michelle, Flocktimus, Keith, Mike, Brett, Kieran, Bob, Richard everyone else you guys are really helping us out keeping us going uh making it so that i can buy a new soundboard in the fall when we can finally get back together in the same room and uh and rejoin bring back the magic i'm uh i'm excited about it to be honest with you not not gonna lie all right uh movie club all right i've been watching a show it's trash television i don't know why i like it but i can't stop it's called motherland fort salem the show is bad it's like a show for for teenagers but i just i don't know i think I. oh my god it looks so stupidly delightful i think i like just i like it because it's easy to riff on with my wife while also having like a a level of world building that that interests me like i want to know more about this world that they're world building but then the things that are happening make me cringe and then i can make fun of them with my wife it's basically perfect so if you want to watch something um it's kind of the jupiter ascending of tv shows (laughs) jupe yeah jupiter ascending also very fun if it's on netflix if you watch netflix make sure you have a beer in hand watch jupiter ascending with someone else and uh have a great time there's it's very fun all right there you I go could ruin the entire plot for you but also it wouldn't ruin the plot because it wouldn't make sense still um i mean i don't feel like it the, the one thing is like uh you just gotta realize that they're liquefying people you know and once the you got thing that, that you have to realize is that it's a movie about the space queen of bees attacking space vampires through the space IRS in order to get her hands on the Soylent Green that she didn't know was Soylent Green, and once she is, to not get her hands on it. And as soon as you know that, then you know everything. Exactly. Kevin gets it. When that first trailer, like the teaser drop for that movie, I was so excited. That's such a pretty movie. I still have never seen that movie, and it just sounds like 
every time you open your mouth about it, any either one of you, it's it's the anti cell. Uh, okay, <laughs> so like here's the it's thing: delightfully Eric, bad. It's like a it's like a two out of five, or maybe a two if a two and a half if you're really generous. <laughs> wait, wait. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, not there. We're not together, but I know Kevin's face because eagle ear listeners will hear Kevin go at the two stars. <laughs> No, I give it a two star too. I was gonna say it's, but My it's man. like a bloodsport two star. It's like, but okay. the thing is that the movie, the movie, like, like every great, really bad movie, is really going for it, and everyone is really committed, and then the effects are amazing, and it's really decently shot, but the script is a disaster, and like it doesn't make any sense, and the things that are happening are just so stupid, and it's like it's the perfect. Sh- garbage movie it's the perfect garbage movie it's it's trash but it's like it's our trash you know it's it's our trash we get to love it and i don't and it, i think it's cool that it's like it just really goes for it really going for it is like one of my favorite things like when a movie it, it's if it's bad it's bad but i want it to be trying you know what i mean when it's lazy and derivative that's when i don't it makes really, bad movies better yeah yeah, yeah. It, but when it's like hey this is crazy they're trying to do something crazy here like they just people talk gibberish in this movie the whole movie and expect you to just know exactly what they're talking about and it's like my favorite thing is they will not do any exposition on something that's really complicated but then something else that you could totally figure out or that doesn't matter at all they'll spend like five minutes explaining it yeah space paperwork there's like space base paperwork (laughs) scenes where they explain so much and it's like why is this getting explained so much but then you had these people shooting at other people around new york or whatever and they we still don't saying, know who they are. They're saying all this crazy stuff, and I don't know who any of these people are. And it's like, what is the hell is going on? <laughs> <laughs> this movie is insane. I don't know. I kind of love it, though. I'm just going to say, I just kind of love it. Okay, so I'm going to do a short plug for South by Southwest for people that listen to this very early. Because tomorrow is the last day to catch any of these. So um, if you liked Blue Ruin, um, and you can handle subtitles. Gunpowder Heart, I think, was interesting. It was the only feature length that I thought was like especially great. But there are a handful of shorts that I thought were really good. Um, I thought Modern Horror was uh, really creative and interesting. Um, that was a pretty cool one. The Voice in Your Head was cool. And then Still Wild was, uh, was an interesting one. So those are three shorts. So if you get a chance to catch those, you know, plug them between your Zoom meetings or whatever. They're all between 10 and 20 minutes long. So uh, if you don't listen to this early and you need something for the other six days of the week, the good, the bad, the weird is uh, on Hulu right now. It's a really fun South Korean uh, spaghetti Western that's it's it's quirky and it's weird and it's really good. And it does like Korean action movie well, but it also takes a lot of what was cool about Westerns like wide sweeping shots of landscape and um, just kind of those really uh, simple stories done well. And it, it also executes that. So the good, the bad, the weird on Hulu is the other recommendation. Uh, I went back into the, to the Seahawks nest archives to watch something this weekend. And I got to apologize for Kevin in a second here. Cause guys front to back. I rewatched Miami Connection. Oh, nice! <laughs> Delightful, and it's it perfectly plays into your trying bad movies. This movie is so good; it's uh, it's streaming on Pluto. You know what, Eric? TV. Yes, I'm an orphan too. I'm an orphan. <laughs> so I, I, I have a new favorite part of that movie. 
It's when uh, what is his name, Jim, and he gets a letter from his father. Oh yeah, that, that yes. scene is that scene is incredible. <laughs> so, but then at the end, when like Jim dies, but he doesn't like you just think he's gonna die because he's like crying and and it's it's like really heartbroken. He's like in the hospital. And they're just like, "Hey, Jim, you're gonna make a full recovery because we need a happy ending." And then there's <laughs> an old guy next to him, and he's like, "And your dad made it." Yes. <laughs> and he's like, "Jim, it's very good that you have." such wonderful friends that are here for you it's just bravo now he can't be part of club orphan anymore they didn't resolve that miami connection is like (laughs) if uh jupiter ascending couldn't get 10 of the 50 best actors on earth to be in it yes (laughs) and also could only get one out of out of every 50 dollars they got on budget and we've talked about it before but really if you don't know what we're talking about Go watch Miami Connection. Find it. <laughs> it's if, funny. If you if you oh, are alive in the eighties or you liked eighties or early nineties action movies, this I feel like it's a movie for cut. kids. I feel we like have if, real bo- sorry. If you give this movie a rating, like a star rating, you didn't get it. And if you do, <laughs> if you do, if you do give it a star rating, it better be like a really good one because you're obviously rating on enjoyment, not on not on like actual goodness of the, this movie is just oh. is terrible but it's also amazing and, and it's like it's so hard what you give this one is you give it a one out of five but then your review is entirely talking it up that's how you review this one i, th- I feel like it's i feel <laughs> like it's it's not it, it defies uh, a rating system it's not like, for you <laughs> it's i mean it's just it's just it just def- it defies being rated it's that good um i'm yeah i'm a huge fan of this movie i think that everyone should should experience it it's uh it's awesome i mean Dragon Sound. That's all I got to say. Dragon Sound. Against the ninja. Every song is about exactly what happened in the previous scene. For Kevin, for Eric, we will see you guys next week. Go Hawks. For kids. Good time, bro.